City of Parramatta Libraries uh, podcast about libraries, reading, books, everything in between that. My name is Catherine and today I want to introduce my co-host Nissa. Hello. Um, look, Nissa, today we decided to discuss Australian, some Australian writers, prominent writers, some books that have resonated about Australia, given that, you know, this time of year we're beginning the new year and it has just been Australia Day um, and the merits of Australia Day we won't discuss at this stage. But I think looking at these authors, um, Richard Glover and David Ma and Melanie Cheng, which I want you to uh, introduce, I think gives us a bit of perspective about the society that we're living in. And I think um, I, for one, feel that I've be really been enriched by reading these books. And also, they're quite funny and thought-provoking. So, Nissa, tell us a bit about those books, please. Yeah, so uh, the first book I think we're going to discuss is going to be The Land Before Avocado, Journeys in a Lost Australia by Richard Glover. So this book out book came out 2018, so just last year. It was one recommended to both of us by a colleague. I think we just happened to be sitting at the desk during a shift and someone said they were reading the book and often that's how you find out about like a good read. From yeah, indeed. And most people know Richard Glover and have read his amusing column in the Sydney Morning Herald. Absolutely, yeah. So that's the one that we're going to start off with. Okay. Followed by uh, the collection of short stories called Australia Day by Melanie Cheng. Huh. Uh, now, Melanie Cheng, this book came out in 2017, a little bit older. Um, so she is the winner of many awards um, and this particular book I think got her the Victorian Premier's Literary Award for Fiction. So that's a bit of a coup for her there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, followed by going back to non-fiction, My Country, Stories, Essays and Speeches by David Marr, uh, Hot of the Press, November 2018 I think is when that came out yeah. and that's just a collection of um, non-fiction pieces of writing he wrote over the well, mm. 45 years career Essays, that he's had. yeah, speeches, um, yeah. Excerpts um, from his, yeah, so there's quite a bit there, it's a hefty tome, so. Yeah. A, good, a good one to dip in and out of. Of course, yeah. Okay, so that's the plan there. Uh, so if we go to our first book, The Land Before Avocado, um, what was your favourite bit about reading that book? Um, okay, Nissa, um, it's subtitled uh, Journeys in a Lost Australia. Um, and, you know, the, the kind of joke is that uh, smash avocado is the, uh, the go-to food of the millennials. So really what he's doing is he's comparing the 60s and 70s, you know, with today, um, you know, contemporary Australia and, you know, is basically saying, oh, don't look back in a nostalgic way. Mm. Um, it's it's a book that really um, espouses optimism about our country today, I think. Mm. And I know that you've got a few statistics to back that up. Yeah. Look, I, I love how he pokes fun at, um, like in a gentle way, at society in the 60s and 70s, the things that were commonplace that were a given. Um, he also pokes fun at, I mean, life today. So it's an interesting comparison that he does. Hmm. Um, and he actually throws up quite a few statistics that I, I personally was quite surprised about. So for example, I mean, there are some that are fairly obvious. So he talks about the 60s and 70s as a time 
uh, when there was the death penalty, you could smoke indoors, there wasn't much car safety, uh, homosexuality was criminalised, um, marital rape was not, um, you know, uh, so these, uh, so those are some of the perhaps not, well, not perhaps, they're definitely not great things from that time. Um, you had more firearm injuries then, you had more pool drownings then, uh, lower life expectancy, and a higher use of drugs, which is something that I actually wasn't aware of. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, you sort of hear about you know, law and order is an issue, and mm. back in my day, so this is something that you hear maybe perhaps politicians of a certain age saying, and um, I suppose as a younger person, you end up kind of, you know, almost believing it. Um, but after reading it, because of reading the book, it's interesting how he lays out statistics to back up mm. and also recollections and anecdotes from other people as well from that mm. time. So, for example, in 1974, 37.5% of Australian adults smoked and now it's only 13%. And um, mm -hmm. that's such a positive change, I think, in society where we've mm. moved away from the idea that it's okay to smoke in lifts and buses and hospitals. Um, Indeed, we're much healthier these days yeah, yeah. and safer. Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, pool drownings used to happen a lot more often then, and, you know, firearms. I mean, there were fewer regulations when it came to mm. gun control. Um, so, And that's interesting to contrast with... Work know, health and safety wasn't really a thing yeah, in those days either. And it's interesting to contrast with all the anecdotes you hear from older generations who say, you know, back in my day, kids could play out in the street and, you know, things were simpler. But if you actually look at a lot of the statistics, that, that wasn't the case. It, it was more, I think, um, that things were less open then, so you didn't hear about all the the horrible things that would, would happen, and now mm. you do hear about them, so they mm. seem a bit more immediate, mm. um, a bit more present, when in fact it's perhaps, well, according to him, definitely less than what it used to be. Mm. So, um, yeah, look, one, uh, another thing I found uh, interesting was the in-your-face in sort of sexism that existed then. So through his research in the book, he, um, you know, uh, spoke to different people, uh, you know, talked to a lot of people his age as well, anecdotes. Uh, he did some research, looked at old magazines as well to see the kind of things people were talking about. And there was this advert that set up for some sort of, I think, some pills, um, diet pills or something. Ford pills, perhaps? Yeah. <laughs> Ford pills can make you as attractive as the girls your husband stares at in the street. I mean, uh -huh. that's, that's appalling. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so nakedly sexist. Yeah. Um, but that was normal. Uh, that's the way it was. And as I was saying to you the other day, if you watch Mad Men, you can see that, uh, yeah, advertising was uh, pitched to be in very sexist. But luckily we've progressed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, I, I, my favourite thing about the book is that he he talks about it, he pokes fun at it, mm. but it's all done in a, in a gentle way. I mean, he also talks about some things that um, perhaps should be brought back. I mean, he talks about social media anxiety. He didn't have that back then, and that's something mm. that's very present in, in today's society amongst older and younger generations. Yeah. Um, you know, you did have free uni study at one point. I mean, I, I wish I went through that. Yep, <laughs> the Whitlam is. Yeah, uh, house prices were better, of course. Um, you know, some things were a bit more simple, so he, he does talk about some of the better things uh, that existed then, but definitely some not so great ones, and a lot of those around um, things like gender issues, race issues as well, 
Um, I mean, in some country towns, um, this sounds appalling, but in some country towns in the 60s, Indigenous people were often barred from hotels and swimming pools and they were kept even in separate hospital wards and separate sections mm. of the cinema. Yeah, in fact, the Freedom Riders, um, uh, led by Charles Perkins, were the uh, activists for uh, Indigenous civil rights mm-hmm. that um, actually... Uh, went during that 60s period mm-hmm. to country towns and you know made a, an issue of the fact that um, country Australia was segregated mm. so yeah wow. so we have moved on and uh, I'm happy to say I'm living in uh, a society that is fairer yeah. I think so it's a funny book that doesn't romanticize the past but yes. just pokes a bit of fun at it yeah um, and we all get to enjoy it it's it's not you know something that you like is, is an oppressive book it's, it's it's a good way to educate yourself I suppose mm. window into the past without feeling too depressed yeah. about it I oh, no, it's, it's not ponderous and it's no. uh, it's fun and you know Richard Glover being a, a columnist knows how to write to entertain so it's a good summer read everybody so pick up a copy of The Land Before Avocado yeah and that sort of moves us into the next book Australia Day by Melanie Chang mm. um, so that sort of dovetails nicely because while The Land Before Avocado focuses on the 60s and 70s um, and a little bit further on, Australia Day, the, the, the book, is definitely rooted in the current day Australia. Uh, you know, a very multicultural uh, country, um, you know, where uh, the, the book is, I guess, in some ways a tapestry of Australia where you've got stories about um, climate change and healthcare, uh, about divorce, about death, about... Uh, stories about the youth, stories about older people, widows, school kids, retirees, people from various multicultural backgrounds. Um, I very much liked how it represented Australia as it is today rather than one small segment of society. Mm. Um, what did you, I mean, what was your favourite story? Because it is a collection of short stories. What was your favourite one, um, would you say? Yeah, look, I think uh, Melanie Cheng, you can see that um, she's a, a writer of great promise and I understand she has a full-length uh, novel coming out in 2019, Nissa, you mentioned to me, yeah. uh, which I'd be interested in reading. Room for a Stranger, I think it's called. Yeah, so look out for that one, people. Um, but this one is, um, as you say, it's kind of a, a cross-section of short... St- it's a cross-section of people um, and events, short stories that, um, that look at, you know, the pluralistic society and the multicultural society that we live in. The, um, the first story, which is, um, you know, um, uh, about a young couple um, who, who have uh, an Australian and a, an Asian guy who um, sort of uh, go back to the, um, the hometown of the, uh, of the girl, I think Jessica her name is. Um, I think it just points out, you know, in, in a lot of ways the, the difficulties with, uh, you know, sort of, uh, I suppose, interracial relationships. But it's kind of um, insightful and, um, you know, it's skillful. She, she um, crafts an essay really well. Uh, I mean, the short story really well. But the Austra- I think the Australia Day story at the end of the book also is significant because it's a story of a, an older lady from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And I guess in a way her disenchantment, disappointment with Australia, in a sense, and her children, her daughters, 
and you know how things have worked out. But I mean, it, it, it ends hopefully. Mm -hmm. But I mean, a lot of the stories are very nuanced um, and and they're really co uh, cross cultural. Some are poignant, but it's really well well worth tipping into. Nissa, I'd recommend it. And uh, I think she's um, an example of the generation of young um, uh, writers from. Uh, you know, pluralistic uh, backgrounds. And she's a doctor too. Yeah. That's another feather in her cap. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, so. very intelligent yeah. lady. Well, so check my, it out. Yeah, well, my favourite um, story, well, not necessarily favourite story, uh, but there was a story about like a honeymooning couple and one of the things that I liked about that was that it didn't use, um, it didn't use the character's um, ethnic background as a, as a plot device, which is something that I'm not a huge mm. fan of. Because I feel you've got, um, you know, I mean, back in the day when you multiculturalism wasn't as prevalent, I suppose that was an interesting thing to talk about, like, you know, the, the background and, uh, you know, the plot could sort of move with that. But, I mean, it's so prevalent right now that in some ways using a person's ethnic background or religious background as a plot device is kind of lazy. Um, mm. Not always, but it can often be. Uh, so I like how, because her book is so representative of different backgrounds, in this particular story that I'm thinking of, the honeymooning couple, uh, the, I think the, the groom is supposed to be from an Iraqi background, and that is mentioned, but it's not it's not the plot device, you know, it's, it's, it's not a major part of it, the story. He just happens to have that, and yes, that has a certain impact on the story, but that's not what the story is about, and I think that's a very mature approach mm. to writing, especially in, mm. this, in the current world that we live in. Um, Indeed, yeah. You know, it sort of makes it, well, yes, we are multicultural, there's nothing remarkable about that, it is just what it is. This mm. is the reality of Australia today. Mm. Uh, so that was something that I, I, I really liked about that, but also the one that you just mentioned, the... Um, the last story of the Australia Day with the Cantonese-speaking grandmother, that sense of isolation that she would have felt not speaking the language, not mm. understanding much English. I mean, I, I can't imagine having like going through that myself. How would it be to go to a country, raise a family, mm. um, and be in some ways cut off from the life of, a, of the community, but you'll, you still have to interact with them. You still have to go to the shops. You still have to catch public transport, and yet yeah, you don't understand the language that must be mm. such your reliance really on your family yeah. and that in itself is a difficulty yeah and it but must be so hard but i mean good on her and people like that who yeah. still get up every day and go out and make an effort um, despite the fact that it's in some ways they're they're so removed from what's going on or like they don't understand what's going on mm. so yeah i i really like that about um that book and like you said it's something that you can dip in and out of because it's a collection of short stories uh, much the same way our third book is uh, my country stories essays and speeches by the very very articulate um, David Ma mm -hmm. so uh, the book uh, it's unlike uh, Australia Day it is a collection of non-fiction um, stories so it represents 45 years worth of writing and includes includes pieces um, from the Sydney Morning Herald, The Guardian, I think he writes for them now, uh, Mian Jin, do they still exist? Is it mm, Yes, I do actually. Oh. Uh, the Bulletin, National Times, I think they definitely don't exist now, right? Mm, not, Times. not anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, some quarterly essay excerpts, of course mm. we've got a lot of his quarterly essays in the library here. Um, we do. Uh, excerpts from his public lectures and also um, excerpts from the monthly. monthly. Yeah. Mm, yep. So, I mean, he talks about so much in the book and covers so many different themes, uh, capturing, you know, our cultural, political and 
social past and present. Mm. What was your, I mean, what were your favourite uh, stories um, from that? Well, um, okay, so Nissa, look, I, um, I've always been an admirer of David Marr and the, the story that resonated with me was the Patrick White story, you know, just beautifully crafted because he's a writer of great skill and um, I think, um, you know, if you've admired the work of Patrick uh, White and, you know, indeed his very interesting uh, life story, you know, you'd find that piece, uh, which was featured in the monthly in 2008, I believe. Did he actually write a biography of Patrick White or something like that, David Mark? Uh, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, um, yeah. He did have an association with Patrick White. Uh, you know, I mean, 40 years of um, writing, he's known many, you know, really interesting um, political and literary figures. Um, within Australia. So I think that always lends his work a, a really insightfulness. But um, look, I, I just, um, I know that he's um, a really, um, a, I think, a consummate writer. You know, he's uh, incisive with his uh, political analysis. Uh, you know, you may not always agree with his opinion. But um, I think, you know, when he finally says that for all our faults and foibles, we get it right in the end. Um, is, is one, it, that's a quote from one of his last essays in the book, and I think it really speaks volumes about you know his his love of country, and um, you know uh, you know where he's. Um, it, politics can be divisive within Australia, obviously, but at the end of the day, you know we're all sort of in this together, and I think that's the point he's really making. Mm -hmm. What did you think, Nissa? Yeah. I like how he does, um, in one of the sections on, uh, I think it's called personal details, or um, within that he talks about his own life, he does say that he studied law, but he didn't actually um, practice it because he sort of placed his trust in facts. Oh. <laughs> that word doesn't mean, I guess, what it oh. used to mean. Um, but he believes in change through persuasion rather than agitation. And I found that very interesting uh, because... You know he has certain beliefs, but he feels like by persuading people through his writing, he mm. will he will try to sort of you know put that message, well sort of promote the message that he wants to. Um, mm. My two uh, stories that I really like, the, the two favourite ones possibly mm. so far. I haven't read the whole book. Um, there was the one called Henson Panic, which was about Bill Henson, the artist. Um, uh, and that talks about, you know, uh, because I remember the events as they were happening and uh, I do like how he talked about, uh, you know, a lot of the issues uh, surrounding that, the hysteria almost, um, over something that in the end uh, it was, uh, I think legally it was shown that he didn't actually do anything wrong, the artist. Um, but no. there, was, there was this mass panic which got the Prime Minister of the day involved in all that. The other one I quite liked uh, was called Andrew Bolt Bites the Dust. And that um, was about the Racial Discrimination Act and some comments that Andrew Bull had made about certain Indigenous people. And uh, that was really interesting, again, for the kind of issues that it raised about, you know, the law within Australia versus free speech, some of the debates around that. So mm. I, I quite enjoyed those two ones. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he just writes so well. Uh, I mean, if you compare him to Richard Glover, I suppose Richard Glover's got a bit of that gentle humour going on, whereas you've got David Marr with a bit more of a biting sense of humour um, mm -hmm. in, in how he phrases uh, certain things. I think he talks about Prince Charles and, um, 
I think one of his quotes is like, he performs his little chores with perfect goodwill. Mm, that was uh, a good essay. That was, <laughs> I, uh, I just thought the way he phrased that, that was so polite but devastating almost. Um, quite a cutting comment. Yeah, yeah. so yes. look, that was interesting. And it's it's a new book. It's it's done very well. It's pretty hefty, though. It's it's a massive book. It's probably the size of the other two combined. Yes. You're reading it at the moment, aren't you? Yes, I am. I've got it out, and uh, but I'll be returning it, so it will be available for um, the general public um, quite soon. So, look, thank you, Nissa, for being uh, my co-host today. My pleasure. And, uh, look, uh, we'll have more episodes coming up shortly uh, when we would love to talk to you soon. Thank you so much for your company. Um, and don't forget, um, yeah, you can find us on iTunes. iTunes. iTunes, the podcast. Yes. Also Podbean, the and, app. And Podbean, the app. So, goodbye for now. See ya. Material presented in this podcast is for general information only. Any opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the guest speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of City of Parramatta Council. City of Parramatta Council is not responsible for any injury, loss or damage which you may directly or indirectly suffer in connection with this podcast.